Radio Drome. Well, we're past our hundredth episode of Radio Drome, so it's all down here. So what's the? So it's all point? downhill. I can't even talk off the top of the damn show. It's all downhill from here, Brad and Alex, huh? So what's the point in even doing it anymore? I know. I mean, should we even do the Adam and Eve promo? I mean, God. Well, well, hey, if you like going down, you should go to AdamandEve.com and use the promo code Drome. What do you get <laughs> if you do that? You can get free shipping. 50% off the first item, a free mystery gift, and I'm totally gimping this up because it was off the top of my head. There, there's something else, I'm sure. <laughs> Three free DVDs. Three free DVDs, that's right. See, none of none of us are feeling it tonight. It's post-episode 100 blues, and we're just meh. I just got the blues because I just got back from seeing the collection. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I liked the collector. I thought that was genuinely pretty suspenseful. And I like the idea that it's in the first 20 minutes, half hour, it starts out like this guy's just going in this house just to steal this diamond. It's like this kind of burglar movie, but he like breaks into a torture porn film. <laughs> like, like that's what happened. That's what the first one's about. It's this whole setup where this guy, his wife owes money to loan sharks. He was scoping out this rich dude's house and then he breaks in to steal this diamond. And there's this whole scene beforehand where he's, adamant to the guy he works with like i need the money by midnight and like it's this whole kind of tense thing and then he breaks in and discovers that a jigsaw like serial killer has already broken in and set traps in the house and is torturing the family <laughs> that was honestly it was well done that was a clever spin on that kind of subgenre current subgenre of horror and it was rather suspenseful and well done the second one, which takes place maybe a couple of days after the first one, is just a straight-up Saw knockoff. Well, do you think the Asylum will, will put out a mockbuster of, of that, or do you think that that one missed their radar? <laughs> Who knows? Uh, I've, I've seen the Asylum do uh, some knockoffs of some B-movies that didn't really get very wide circulation <laughs> well see the reason i'm bringing that up is tonight's topic is going to be about the difference between ripoffs and cash-ins because right now new line cinema and the tolkien estate are suing the asylum and the, i'm sure the asylum's used to being sued but in this one they're gonna lose they're being sued over their movie age of hobbits which is supposed to come out the week before the hobbit comes out here's the problem the word Hobbit is trademarked. The Asylum really has no defense against this. They're going to have to change the title, and they're going to have to remove any reference to Hobbits from the final film. They don't ha really have a defense against this. The Asylum's defense is that the word Hobbit is public domain, that Hobbit was a, a, a term for short people. But it's also a trademarked term the same as jedi is for the star wars movies the, but, but, the, the asylum wouldn't legally be able to make a star wars movie called like age of jedis without now disney coming after them and yeah. disney having the right to do it remember when they ran into some stuff with uh when battleship came out and they changed that title fairly quickly which i thought their defense of that 
was would would have been a lot easier than their defense of of the word Hobbit. Well, they only had to change it on U.S. DVD releases. Um, I did hear that because Film Brain watched yeah. it, and yeah, he he saw it on the the Battleship title. Well, so th- th- that brings up the question. Now, the trailer, in all honesty, doesn't really look like it's a Hobbit ripoff. It looks more like just a Lord of the Rings-style knockoff. I mean, in fact, none of the characters are even short in the trailer. That brings me to the question for you guys. The difference between a ripoff and a cash-in, because I see Age of Hobbits as a cash-in. I see that alien origin. That was a cash-in on Prometheus. Transmorphers was a cash-in. I don't see those as ripoffs so much as... We're just trying to ride a trend. Well, most people would call them mockbusters, but David Michael Latt, who runs Asylum and produces all their stuff, he much prefers the word tie-in. That's awesome. <laughs> unofficial tie-in? Yes, an oh, unofficial dude, tie-in. Official. It's official, dude. I, I see both sides of this issue. The Asylum tries so hard to kind of sucker the American public. Alien vs. Hunter, when that came out opposite Alien vs. Predator Requiem, the poster used the same font as Aliens vs. Predator, had the same placement of the faces, a very similar tagline. It looked almost like the poster for Aliens vs. Predator Requiem. You can see how somebody might be fooled by that. That, ha- that would happen when I worked at the video store. Every now and then, someone would return a copy that they rented because they thought Transmorphers was Transformers, or they thought... Like you said, Alien versus Hunter. Same thing with Paranormal Entity. And it even happened when this wasn't Asylum, but this happened once with that uh, that Pirates porno movie. <laughs> yeah, that it happened. It happened with that. Did, yeah, did that, they that, that anything happen. that was in the adult section? No, it wasn't in the adult section. It was in the new release section. <laughs> Oops. Like right next to the Pirates films. I know when um. <laughs> Puss in Boots came out. Redbox had a Puss in Boots knockoff that had William Shatner as the voice of Puss in Boots. My daughter insisted I rent it because she thought it was the actual one. And I'm telling her, no, this is a fake movie. It's going to suck really hard. You don't want to rent this. I bet I would enjoy it better than the other one. (laughs) (laughs) It's got Shatner in it. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's been Shatnerfied. I know. That'll make me like it better. But, but But then it brings up the question... What is the the line when you go from cash in to ripoff? When it actually, I would say when it actually uses plot points, plot devices, similar similar characters, similar type story to the one that it's well, yeah, ripping off. That that makes it a, a ripoff. And you're right when you look at a lot of us, not all of them, but when you look at a lot of the Asylum mockbusters, there is a fair amount of them that that don't really use a lot of plot from the movie that they're mocking. Transmorphers is a perfect example. That's far more of a Terminator Salvation ripoff than a Transformers ripoff. Yeah, 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 exactly. And in the case of, like, Alien Origin, there was that one scene at the end that seemed like it was tacked on. Tried to tie in about it being having to do with, like, the origin of mankind and stuff like that. Almost like they wanted to make it a... Prometheus ripoff cash in like at the last minute. But yeah, a lot of those they they really don't share a lot of 
similarities in plot or tone to the movies that they're they're cashing in off of. And, and ripoff would be more, li- of course, along the lines of you know some of the movies that Bruno Mattei has done, like Shocking Dark being aliens, being a lot like aliens, or um, SS Girls being like Salon Kitty. Strike Commando basically being Rambo 2 meets Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Being a lot like Rambo 2. I was watching an interview with Joe D'Amato last night, and he was talking about a movie that he'd recently done at that time called Fatal Attraction or something like that. And people are like, oh, this movie's a real big hit overseas. And Joe D'Amato's like, why? It's just a ripoff of nine and a half weeks. (laughs) I know, I like that. It has the title of one thing, but as a ripoff of something else. Just like, well, Shocking Dark, that's alternate title is Terminator 2, but it's a ripoff of Aliens. Everyone knows I'm going to go here anyway, so we'll get it out of the way. Reservoir Dogs. Mm. Keep in mind, Brad, you and I have discussed this before. I love the movie. That doesn't change the fact that it's the same plot, the same characters, the same plot twist, and the same story as City on Fire. Reservoir Dogs, to me, is a ripoff. It's a better version, but it's a ripoff. Yeah, That's all I'll say about that. I'll leave Tarantino it's a better, alone. It's a better version. I, I do like it better than... I, I love Reservoir Dogs. I, I I do like it better than City on Fire. I do. Is it a ripoff? Yeah. But, you know, you could be a lot more forgiving about something like that as long as it still does its job. You know what I mean? Like, as long as it's still a good, a very good movie or at least very 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 entertaining then i'm fine with that then i don't get upset or mad about that at at all really and then you've also got ones that most americans have never seen this film because of the injunction from universal you've got great white as it was going to be released here or or for our overseas listeners the last shark i'm sure you've seen that one with vic morrow with vic morrow and james franciscus that that was such a carbon copy of jaws Universal won their lawsuit to get it blocked. It's the same story with the same characters. Now, this is a pre-Twilight Zone Vic Morrow, right? Well, considering he's not dead, (laughs) yes. Leave it to... (laughs) <laughs> leave it to Alex to ask leave it, du- to, leave, leave it to Alex to make that hilarious <laughs> <laughs> yes considering that Vic Morrow was alive in this movie it's pre-Twilight Zone John Landis hadn't <laughs> murdered him yet but, but like Great White and I like I like Great White I, I, I think Great White's a fun movie hey, it you is could a fun even, movie you could see clips of it in Bruno's Jaws 5 <laughs> Well, I'm going to get to Jaws 5 in a minute, but Universal was successfully able to show the court that it's the same movie and block it. Until the Italian DVD came out under the title The Last Shark a few years ago, the only official way you could see Great White was a Japanese VHS tape. That was the only official copy ever released of that movie. Didn't they also do that with Beyond the Door? because of the similarities of the exorcist like there was an exorcist clone that there was a lawsuit from it was either beyond the door or the antichrist or abby um not sure about that i know jennifer the snake goddess was such a close carry ripoff that they that they originally had it just named jennifer and all the promotional materials i mean you, you look at the trailer and you think yeah. this is carry with other actors yeah. Oh, they had to recut that, redo the poster because I'm not, <laughs> they I added, they added several more scenes. 
they added several more scenes and just turned it into Friday the 13th Part 7. <laughs> well, and it doesn't really have a whole lot to do with snakes, so the whole added Jennifer the Snake Goddess never made a whole lot of sense to me. That's funny. So there's only like one or two scenes that involve a snake in the, in the final version. But yeah, th- this is not a new thing where you've got... And, and, but then that brings up the question of, like with Jennifer, was that a ripoff of Carrie or a cash-in of Carrie? I think you can have both. I, it's certainly easier to do both. If it's, a rip-off, if it's a rip-off of something, odds are that also means it's kind of a cash-in. I mean, not well, not, not always, because I wouldn't say that, because obviously I don't think Reservoir Dogs is a cash-in of City on Fire. You could definitely have both. Well, like, the, the, the way I look at it is like 1982's Galaxy of Terror. Clearly a cash-in on Alien. Not mm-hmm. a rip-off at all because it shares absolutely no plot similarities. But mm-hmm. it's clearly meant to appeal to that same audience. And then, conveniently enough, James Cameron did all the production design and the special effects for that movie. And then he'd go on to make the sequel, cementing the ties to Alien even more. Well, and also, like, a lot of the Italians, too, were back in the day, were like, uh, we want we want Rambo, or, you know, we want Mad Max. You know, that's yeah, the certainly them. the big one. Yeah, yeah. We want that. We want you to make that. So that certainly evokes both the idea of a cash-in and a rip-off. Now, you could have some that were obviously just, could be considered just, a cash-in, not necessarily a rip-off. Like how Dawn of the Dead was released as Zombie, and then you've got Lucio Pulci's Zombie 2. Now, I I do not consider Zombie 2 to be a rip-off of Dawn of the Dead. No, because the plots are nothing alike. They're nothing alike. They're radically different from each other. But, yeah, calling it Zombie 2 when the when the other one's just called Zombie, yeah, that, that makes it, <laughs> that kind of makes it a cash-in. But it's not a rip-off. But then you also have, with Italian cinema... Terminator 2 from Matai. Exactly. And um, that Jaws 5 that we brought up earlier. Mm-hmm. Jaws 5 was surprisingly late in the game. Wasn't that late 90s, early 2000s that that was made? I don't I don't know. It wasn't early 2000s. It was, uh, the, the date on it is 95, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was made earlier than that. I mean, I might be wrong, but it, it, it definitely gives off that vibe of the of, like, this might have been made, like, maybe a few years before 1995. Sticking with the alien thing I brought up, you you have ones that can't be considered cash-ins that are straight rip-offs, like William Malone's Creature. The spacesuits look the same. The creature looks the same. The planet looks the same. It's got aliens that attach to your face. Mm-hmm. It, it's like, okay, this is clearly alien done on a much lower budget with a drunken Klaus Kinski. There's no way that that was a cash-in, especially six years after Alien. You just go, they just decided we wanted to rip them off. I mean, hell, it's even got the title Alien, the title Creature. It's even got a similar style of title to it. There's no way that that movie was not a straight-out rip-off to me. Oh, I don't think anyone would disagree with you on that. So then, But then that brings up, like, you brought up, like, the Road Warrior stuff from the, the Italians in the late 70s and early mm-hmm. 80s. I can't think of a specific one. Maybe you can that actually ripped off the plot of Mad Max or Road Warrior. They all kind of took the style and they wanted a similar kind of movie. Those, to me, were all cash-ins and not rip-offs. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah, because you wouldn't find a lot of the same plot devices used in them. But, you know, they would, 
have similar looking characters, uh, similar acting characters, but the story would be kind of different. Like, you know, they, they, the characters from Rats, from Bruno's Rats, look like they're straight out of a Mad Max movie. The plot's really nothing like a Mad Max movie. The New Barbarians, or, or even 2019 after the fall of New York, that was uh, kind of a knockoff Escape from New York. But if you look at it now, the plot of you, you would actually think more about the plot of, of Children of Men than you yeah. would Escape from New York. D'Amato's film is actually a ripoff of 2019 after the fall of New York. He's ripping off a ripoff. You still saw that a lot, especially with the disaster films in the late 90s. You know, Twister came out, but then you'd, on TV you'd have Night of the Twisters, Night of the Cyclones, or just Cyclone. Or when the Volcano movies come, came out, there would be a lot of those on TV. Aftershock, I, The Fall of New York, I remember that miniseries. Yeah, 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 yeah. And that one miniseries that was just called Meteor armageddon and deep impact came out asteroid was that meteor was the one from the 70s uh, the, the michael just... the, the michael bean one for armageddon was asteroid okay asteroid i remember it, it was like a two-part miniseries yep and then they edited it down to 90 minutes for the vhs release yeah and i know that asylums released a lot of those end of the world disaster movies oh especially when the movie 2012 came out oh they have a ton of movies called 2012 supernova 2012 doomsday even their zombie apocalypse one um some titles releases said 2012 zombie apocalypse yeah 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 now we, we talked about how the asylum might be losing age of hobbits and jennifer the snake goddess had to be changed and great white we never even saw in the u.s do you think that there's a certain dividing line when you've copied enough of the story or enough of the characters that you've gone too far or do you think you should be able to, you know, if they don't call you on it, go for it? You know, I mean, that's a really, really good question. I mean, my obvious answer is, you know, hey, just fucking go for it, man. Just make your movie. Do it, dude. Go right ahead, man. I mean, I've made, I've not one to talk really. My movie Cheap is a straight ripoff of Last House on Dead End Street. <laughs> <laughs> and see, you admit that, but you're not trying to hide it, though, either. No, there's a character... In the movie, who's wearing a Last House on Dead End Street T-shirt? <laughs> how about when a how about when a filmmaker is has such an iconic style that is it, say they're working for a certain studio, then they go to another studio and it seems like they're ripping off their own stuff. I can't think of a, a filmmaker, but you guys heard about the John Fogarty CCR lawsuit about yeah. uh, about his music, right, Brad? No, actually, I didn't hear about this. Uh, this oh. was in like the late 80s, early 90s, I think. John Fogarty was a singer of Creedence Clearwater Revival and one of their main well, I songwriters. Know <laughs> I'm telling the audience. <laughs> okay, and then obviously when they broke up, he went to a different record company. Since he, his style was so pervasive in CCR, the John Fogarty band sounded a lot like CCR. The record company that owned Credence's stuff sued him for sounding too much like Credence. So he was basically sued for sounding too much like himself. The judge yeah, laughed it out of court. Yeah, good, as the judge should have done. <laughs> but it just, it, it shows you that to, to them, anything can be a ripoff. You know, how dare you rip off you? I mean, there's certainly a difference, though, in that than a movie that's a straight carbon copy ripoff of something else. But you, you actually bring up another good point, too. What are, what are some movies uh, where a director has more or less kind of ripped off 
his own work. Uh, not so much a director, but I, I can definitely see how when Tarantino was very angry over what he said Oliver Stone did to Natural Born Killers, you can definitely see that he was trying to kind of do his own version of Natural Born Killers with the Kill Bill movies. You can't tell me you don't see a certain similarity between Tarantino's Natural Born Killers script and his Kill Bill script, kind of like he wanted to fix what he thought Stone ruined. I see that. I always saw that more as like a straight homage to like movies like Lady Snowblood and Thriller than I did something that's like Natural Born Killers. But there, there are certain little touches throughout Kill Bill that are very much like what was in Tarantino's original Natural Born Killers script. You, well, for one, from the, even from the Oliver Stone movie, you've got the, the slow motion POV of the hatchet flying through the air just like it does the knife. Oh, okay. In the beginning of Natural Born Killers, that's from Tarantino's script. He wanted, you know, certain weapon POV shots. And th- there there were just little things such as the the out of order storytelling, the way Kill Bill is told kind of in within flashbacks to flash forwards to flashbacks and whatnot. That was in his well, script. But you just see certain stylistic touches that were from Tarantino's Natural Born Killer script. Yeah, but well, the out of order thing in the flashback, that's very Tarantino, though. Reservoir Dogs does that. Pulp Fiction does that. A lot of what Tarantino does is homage to other stuff. I could see him being upset with Oliver Stone for not catching that this is supposed to be an homage to this and then just shooting it his own way. Or even with, with Ridley Scott and Prometheus, it, it seemed like he was kind of trying to remake the style of alien without being alien does that make sense i'm not faulting I for it i don't not blame faulting him for it. Just... i don't i don't blame him for doing that nor do i think that that's necessarily a bad idea either well okay a- another trend that had a whole slew of cash in slash ripoffs there's two i'm thinking of right here let's go to the 70s first and when death wish hit you saw all those rape revenge urban thrillers mm-hmm. pop out right after death wish was a monster yeah oh that most is of the... those most of those i would call cash-ins and not rip-offs that is the exploitation genre there's so many rape revenge films right but death wish was the one that broke it wide open to the mainstream there's when... definitely some that are s- straight out inspired by death wish and that's certainly writing that vigilante trend of the time in in those movies uh you you saw that you saw the same thing too after dirty harry had come out oh yeah um, yep. yeah you saw a lot of dirty harry inspired films yeah yeah and and, then, and again i don't think there's anything wrong with that because i think uh i think that at the end of the day all that matters is whether or not you make a decent flick or at least one that's that's very very entertaining and i like the vigilante genre a lot a lot of those i i i i, I did find very entertaining I did too. I mean, even the ones that weren't Death Wish sequ- official Death Wish sequels. Yeah, you see, that's the thing. Is like a lot of the the kind of Death Wish clones ripoffs. I liked better than the Death Wish sequels. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, how many of those Brave Revenge things are actually inspired by or ripping off or cashing in off of I Spit on Your Grave? Well, I Spit on Your Grave was a full four years after Death Wish, so you had a big four-year window to make a lot of those rape revenge movies not not so much the ones with the woman getting the revenge I'm but, talking the, but the husband or something i'm talking specifically the woman you know that i spit on your grave route well miss 40 miss 45 has very has a lot of similarities to uh to thriller 
that was I want to say 1981 that, that that one had come out. That's got that that has a lot more similarities to Thriller than it does I Spit on Your Grave. There was a movie in the early early to mid 80s called Naked Vengeance that's a lot like I Spit on Your Grave. Because the the and the other genre or the other movie that broke everything wide open was actually not the movie that started it. It's actually the second movie. Halloween started the modern slasher genre. Uh-huh. Friday the 13th is the one that inspired all the knockoffs and cash-ins. Because in oh, that man. two years between Halloween and Friday, you didn't see a whole lot of them. After Friday the 13th in 1980, the floodgates opened wide. Man, I'm surprised it actually. I think it, when you brought up Friday the 13th and whatnot, I'm like, wow, I'm actually surprised it took us this I wasn't even thinking about that. I was like, I'm surprised it took us this long to get to the, to oh, yeah, the, I know, Friday, um... the, to the Friday the 13th ripoffs. Because that's the when, most obvious one, almost, other than Alien or Road Warrior. Yeah. When, when The Burning came out in 1981, everyone was like, oh, it's a Friday the 13th ripoff, and Harvey Weinstein, who wrote it, was insisting, I wrote this before that movie was made. I like The Burning. That's a the, the burning's a good flick. Uh, they uh, sleepaway camp was dismissed as a Friday the Thirteenth ripoff. Yeah, but they kind of advertised it as such too. Did they? Really, uh, the advertisements I've seen never really brought up Friday the Thirteenth. No, but, but it, I mean stylistically, it was it was sort of if you like Friday the Thirteenth, you might like oh, this. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh. And then and then there's the granddaddy of all of these, the one that that broke it open even more than Friday the Thirteenth. 1977 Star Wars. I think <laughs> there are probably a... more Star Wars cash-ins than any other film in film history. You got oh. Star Crash, Star Odyssey, Battle uh, Beyond the Stars. Battle no, Beyond see, okay, Stars. Battle Beyond the Stars. I don't see why everyone calls that a Star Wars ripoff. It's a it's a Magnificent Seven Seven Samurai ripoff with Star Wars aesthetics. Battle Beyond the Stars was a Star Wars cash-in. The story has nothing whatsoever to do in any way Star Wars-ish. It's, it's a straight-out seven samurai in space. Well, then, well, it, I, I then, mean, then that's it the is same Star- with a lot of those, too. I wouldn't see, like, Star Odyssey really doesn't have much story-wise to do with Star Wars, but it does have certain devices, like the, those cardboard things that look like lightsabers. And then you also had you also had the the duck robots, which were clearly supposed to be the R two D twos. You had the clear Darth Vaderish villain. You 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 had the specific. We're going for this thing. Yeah, you did. I mean, like, but yeah, in terms of like story, it wasn't anything like that, really. The Star Crash is called I, one of the most crass Star Wars ripoffs of all time and that's got nothing whatsoever story-wise to do with it but it does have the sassy robot and the darth vader and it's got the lightsabers and it's definitely a star wars cash in but yeah the story in star crash nothing whatsoever to do with the story of star wars star crash is awesome i I love that movie star crash is well first of all seeing david hasselhoff with big poofy hair and christopher Plummer slumming it like you wouldn't believe that's worth it for just that alone throwing Joe Spinell into the mix. It's great. And Carolyn Monroe in so many hot Dude. outfits. She changes her oh, outfit yeah. like every scene. And it's fantastic. Yeah, I love that movie. And I, and I always kind of say, you know, I'm like, you know what? Y- y- go for it. Because there's a, there's a lot of movies from the past that Star Wars borrowed from. <laughs> exactly. Like Kurosawa's The Hidden Fortress. Exactly. Like The Hidden Fortress and stuff like that. So 
so you know, by all means, do with do with what you will with taking some inspiration from Star Wars. Well, sticking with Lucas, then how about after Raiders of the Lost Ark came out? You saw all those Alan Quartermain and King Solomon's Mines and Firewalker, and you saw all those adventure in the jungle going through caves to find the treasure movies. Oh, yeah, and after Crystal Skull came out, Asylum released their own, like, Alan Quartermain. It was Alan Quartermain in the Temple of Skulls. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, you interviewed the guy, Brad. When did Treasure of the Four Crowns come out? Was that in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark cash-in? I I seem to remember that almost coming out before. I think that, no, that didn't come out before Raiders. Uh, Treasure of the Four Crowns, that, that came out at the very, very end of that... 80s 3d kick which so uh, probably got, 83 got, then 83 is about when it 82 and 83 is about when it was pretty popular and then in uh i want to say that his was um 84 because it was because i i did ask him about that he only talked about that really briefly and uh he he didn't have many fond memories of it uh, i i can't remember if he said anything about raiders or not but I it, if I if I remember right, he's certainly you know they certainly just want to do another 3D movie like like coming at you. And that movie but, is beautiful for having the most crass 3D ever. I don't think four seconds go by without something flying at the camera in that film. And, and it's great. I I think it's one of the best 3D movies because of that. Not only that, you've got all that gimmicky 3D stuff they're doing in it, which is glorious. But it's also a pretty, I think anyway, a pretty solid Western. My, my problem well, is I've never seen it in 3D. I've, I, I've seen a very cheap 3D version of it, the one that Rhino put out. They've been touring with that noir 3D version of it, which is supposed to look really damn good. Hmm. I haven't seen, I haven't seen that, that cut of it, but uh, only clips and the, and the trailer and such. But the, the, the 3D version I saw was just like a, cheap rhino like anaglyph 3d cut of it since we've segued towards spielberg what about et et hey brad we gotta bring it we gotta bring up nuki et total ripoff of pod people i'm just saying (laughs) they just took out the they just took out the slasher movie part of it well i was gonna say though as bad of a movie it is i still love watching mac and me i'd rather watch mac and me than nuki again i'd rather watch anything than nuki Nuki is one of the worst goddamn things I've ever seen in my life. Well, and then there, there was also another one that inspired a lot of cash-ins and only a few rip-offs, one of which we already brought up, and that's Jaws. You saw all those coastal towns attacked by such-and-such such creature. Because in, in a lot of those, just just like we were talking about like with the Italian Road Warrior cash-ins, mm. the stories are totally different. I love the movie Tentacles, mm-hmm. which... No, it's got nothing to do with schoolgirls or the Japanese. But I love the movie Tentacles, and people always call it, oh, it's just a Jaws ripoff. Uh, other than the fact that it's a coastal town and it's harassed by a monster from the ocean, there's nothing whatsoever Jaws-like about it. You saw, yeah, those, those, those were, you saw a lot of those back then. It was the same thing with, like we mentioned earlier, with the knockoffs of the disaster movies that came out in the late 90s. There's actually a, a Japanese film that came out a couple of years ago called Jaws in Japan. Is there really? <laughs> yeah, it's also oh, known as awesome. It's also known as Psycho Shark, and there's no shark in it until like what? the very, very end. Well, and then speaking of that, when you brought up Japan, after Godzilla was a hit, 
not counting the other Toho movies, you had a lot of giant lizard knocks over a coastal Swedish town or, or a Norwegian town. You, a lot of the foreigners latched on to the giant, giant reptile knocking buildings over genre after Godzilla was a big hit. You're talking about even, even Kim Jong Il did that. <laughs> You're talking about uh, that uh, Danish film Reptilicus. Well, there's Reptilicus, there's Gorgo, there's Yon and Gray, Monster from the Deep, which is another Japanese you, one, or, or is that Korean? Uh, Yon Gary is K- Korean. Okay, I want to see a movie version of Velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even in Japan, they were ripping it off with Daie making their Gamera films. Oh, yeah. Gamera, I I really do see as a Godzilla. I will call it a ripoff, but I think they meant it more as a cash-in. They were just so creatively bankrupt, they couldn't think of any other way to do it than copy it. So I I don't think that one started um, as a ripoff. If you watch the the Shout Factory releases of Gamera and the first couple sequels, the guy they have doing the commentary for it, what's his name? August Ragone. He goes into the fact that Turtles are a lot more culturally significant in Japan than lizards are. So that makes it not a ripoff? No, it makes it a ripoff that's more more catered towards the Japanese people. Because even Godzilla was a ripoff of Beast of... What is it? Beast from 20,000 Fathoms? 20,000 Fathoms? Beast of Yucca Flats. No, not this has Yucca nothing Flats. to do with Tor Johnson. No, is that that like Beast from 20,000 Fathoms or something? Because Inshiro Honda watched that movie and was inspired from that to make Godzilla. So Ray, so in essence, Ray Harryhausen was responsible for Godzilla. Absolutely. In essence, yes. How about <laughs> we'll go with well, how that? How about when TV shows do that? For instance, like when Lost came out and was huge, huge there, especially in that in that opening season. And then after the first season of Lost, you got shows like Surface, Invasion, shows like that that very much wanted to cash in on Lost success. You saw that too with. ER, and then when, friends. like, Friends. Yeah, because there was that show, Buddies. Uh, oh, I like when Grey's Anatomy. Even to this day, you still get, like, uh, what's what's that show? Like, Emily something MD or whatever the hell it's got. I don't know. It just got canceled. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't even know that one. Well, then you get a, a lot of TV and movies that try to cash off the name of a director. Like, they'll, like, have Wes Craven as an executive producer on it, but they will sell the film as Wes Craven's Wishmaster when Scream was really big. Quentin yeah. Tarantino presents The Man with yeah. the Iron Fist. Well, and th- that's another one, Scream. Scream was so full of imitators and cash-ins. The late 90s were a bad time for a slasher movie thanks to Scream. Yeah, you'll get no argument from me here. Because everybody wanted to have the next Scream, and they were all trying. They they all copied the formula. Of they scream. all made yeah, which was slasher but meta. Dude, we know we're in a slasher movie, so that makes it like not a slasher movie, right? Oh you man, a lot of, just like that movie Halloween. <laughs> you had a lot of slasher movies about people making slasher movies. Yeah, that that, that was unfortunate. Well, and then. Maybe one of you guys will know. What's the movie that kicked off the nature fights back craze of the 70s? Or was that sort of a, no pun intended, natural progression of films? The disaster kick that kind of led into that. But, but, I mean, these are pre-Jaws. So, all of a sudden, you've got, like, frogs, and you've got Day of the Animals, and 
Night of the Lepus and things like that. And Kingdom of the Spiders. Kingdom the, of the Spiders, yes. The it's swarm. one of my favorite. The, you got the Swarm. And the stuff Swarm like. was actually a, t- a TV miniseries, I think, though. Uh, I don't, was, I don't yeah, think that was a movie. That was theatrical. Was I, it? I can, oh, yeah. I can see why you'd think it was a miniseries. It was two and a half hours long. And it was Irwin Allen. Yeah, yeah. No, that was that was theatrical. The Swarm was surprisingly good, too. I don't know. I just Googled Nature Fights Back, and it brought up March of the Penguins. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's the one that kickstarted it all. Well, see, without, to me, the most... That, distur- without that, we wouldn't have had Farce of the Penguins. See, to me, the most disturbing one of those is AIP's Frogs, because I love this actor. I cannot take Sam Elliott seriously with no mustache. <laughs> I can't. He just looks wrong. Like he looks creepy Christ, in that yeah. movie to me. Yeah, yeah, it's like whatever I see Ron Silver without a beard. Yeah, it's just, no, you're not Sam Elliott. You don't have a mustache. Stop sounding like him. Because you you often had this thing where Roger Corman was called the rip-off king for a while in the 60s and 70s, and I can't think of a single movie that he outright ripped off. Yes, I consider him the cash-in king. No, no argument there. I really don't see Corman's output as ripoffs. Do you? Off the top of my head, trying to think of one that I would consider to be just like an outright rip. But yeah, like what you just said, though, with cash-ins, certainly with cashing in on certain trends and attitudes that were going around at the time, certainly, yeah. One that's a straight-out ripoff of, I, uh, off the top of my head, I can't really think. Well, and, yeah, he was definitely cash-in. Well, and then you've also got... Now, I, I wouldn't even consider this a cash-in, since they're the one that started the genre. Canon with the Ninja films. Mm-hmm. When Canon started with Enter the Ninja, that's the film that broke ninjas wide in America, and Canon just kept pumping different ninja movies out. Were they cashing in on their own fleck? Oh, yeah. when, you get into some, uh, when you get into some Godfrey Ho ninja territory, there you'll find, you'll find some rip-offs. Oh, yeah, I'm just talking the canon stuff right now. But, yes, mm-hmm. the ninja films, you saw a lot of rip-offs in the ninja genre. Thank you, Mr. Ho. <laughs> and sometimes the, uh, sometimes the Godfrey Ho stuff might not necessarily be sort of, like, ripping off something, but sometimes the movie that he was inserting stuff into totally were. Like, Crackdown Mission, Pierre Kirby. The movie that they're inserting the Pierre Kirby stuff into is almost a shot-by-shot remake of Miss 45. I think, I think I've heard you mention that one before, yeah. And it's good. Godfrey Ho's Ninja Holocaust was amazing. Oh, uh, yeah. If you haven't seen Ninja Holocaust, Brad, you have to. I'll, I can send it to you when the show's over. It's the one with the boxing subplot. Okay, I was thinking I was thinking of the one... Oh, Ninja Champion's the one I'm thinking of. The one where he inserts it into a rape, or into like a rape movie. No, th- this one is so awesome. The, the head evil ninja snaps his fingers and his men form a human chair for him to sit on. It's just, that is it's awesome. Beautiful. It, and, and a guy actually uses his girlfriend as a weapon. He picks her up and she's kicking and he's... It, it's, it's just... It's brilliant. There's ninjas like jumping out of boxes. Yeah, don't you ever take a UPS package without checking it for ninjas. I saw a fantastic one the other day where it was uh, half Killer Shark kind of Jaws knockoff and half Miami Vice ripoff. Shark's Paradise? Shark's Paradise. Th- that Australian one? Oh, yeah. that one. Yes, I've got that one too. Th- that, oh, yeah, yeah. that actually segs into what I was going to say. There was also, after the hit of Miami Vice on TV, 
you saw a lot of undercover cop Miami drug dealer movies. Oh, yeah, he had Hawaiian Heat with uh, Robert Ginty. No, I'm talking movies. That, that That's movies TV. To, movies, too. Movies, yeah, too. Yeah, you saw a whole lot of those pop up that really wanted to cash in. Like uh, the Italian Miami Horror, the logo is the exact font of Miami Vice. Hollywood it's, it's Miami even got Vice. A, it's even got a Jan Hammer-sounding intro. And so um, it's like, okay, if what if Miami Vice, everyone was dubbed and aliens crashed in the Everglades? A few months ago, Josh sent me a copy of that Shark's Paradise, and then I watched it and messaged him afterwards going, why the f*** did you make me watch this? I watched it over at Ed's a few weeks ago. <laughs> it's both brilliant and really sadly bad at the same time, isn't it? It kind of is, because it's, sort of like, it's sort of like, man, the idea behind this is so great. Miami Vice with sharks, and you watch it, and it's sort of like, uh, I, I guess it's kind of fun. In, in a way, sort of, only because it evokes imagery of Miami Vice and it's got sharks in it. With but it, it, Yeah, yeah. It it almost comes across more like it's a failed pilot more than a movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you you have that whole plot of like some criminals like, if you don't give me a million dollars, I'm going to have these sharks attack your surfing competition. Mm-hmm. And it's all like, okay, we got to be action cops to solve this crime. <laughs> Well, and then you've also you've also got the, the weird subgenre of the disgraced cop who can basically the lethal weapon formula, the buddy cop movie where, where the cops can never solve the case until they're taken off the case, and after they've turned in their badge, that's when they can truly fight the bad guy. You yep. saw a lot of those after Lethal Weapon came out. Mm-hmm. That was another one that had imitators up the ass. Or uh, hey, uh, well, how about even uh, the the Die Hard clones? Uh, yeah, you saw a lot. You even saw those on TV. There was a Booker episode where terrorists took a high rise and Booker played all John McClane having to get him back. I saw a made for TV once where it was Paul Reiser stuck in a high rise. <laughs> was it a comedy? <laughs> no, it was. It's from the mid '90s. It's called The Tower, and Paul Reiser goes to work in this. Ta- it was basically like if you cross Die Hard with what's that? God damn it. What's that movie where the girl is uh, trapped in the house with that highly intelligent security system and it, like, tries killing her? Oh, I, I know what movie you're talking about, too. Yeah. I can't think of it, but I, I, I know what film you're talking about, yeah. It's like that, because this, this, this high-rise, this skyscraper has this extreme, like, security system. And Paul Reiser, it's like his first day working there, and something goes wrong with his, like, identity card. So the building tries to kill him. Well, because, see, the, the one I immediately went to, even though it wasn't Paul Reiser, was that, that Fox TV movie with George Carlin and Ben Stiller in a high-rise. Tower Heist? Tower, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. George Carlin, not Eddie Murphy. Oh, okay. Well, and then <laughs> yeah. you, had, you had another film that had a whole slew of cash-ins, Again, none that I would call outright ripoffs, but that would be Gremlins. You saw all those little monsters on the loose movies after that. You had the Critters and the Munchies and Ghoulies, the Hobgoblins. Yes, that was almost a subgenre of itself was the Gremlin knockoff. And that one didn't seem to last all that long. Not counting the Critters films actually getting four movies deep, which is still a little surprising to me. Well, yeah, they had to take it to space. 
to me, the let's well, see. That's the only one of those. Let's take our horror franchise to space. That made sense because they were space criminals to begin with. So that one didn't yeah. seem as ludicrous as Pinhead going to space or Jason, Jason. or the Leprechaun. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, it, it did. It was like it's like okay. So I mean, it's taking place in space, but they're from space. <laughs> they, they are from space. So hey, okay, why not? And hell, I think I, if I'm remembering the first film right, the opening shot is a space prison on an asteroid. So that one made sense. I was all right with the critters. What was the subtitle for the fourth one? Was it like they're invading your space or something like that? I don't know, but I just remember Brad Dourif is awesome in that movie. Yeah, dude. Yeah, he was. And a- Angela Bassett, probably in one of the roles she wishes, wishes people wouldn't remember her for. Ah, oh, whatever. Hey, I remember when she was on Alien Nation, the TV series, as a nosy reporter. What was that movie you put up a box cover for the other day that looked just like Alien? Dark Lurking. Dark Lurking. Did you watch it? No, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, I just... Everyone's calling it an Alien ripoff, and... Just based on the cover alone, yeah, they're trying to rip off Alien with that cover. It was so close, I'm surprised 20th Century Fox didn't sue them. Um, oh, yeah, like, like I even, that rem- I think I put a comment about it, too. It reminded me of Xenophobe. Xenophobe yeah. <laughs> with the alien bursting through the NES cartridge. I remember th- that and Werewolf, the NES cartridge, were the ones that always, the covers were stunning to me just white or yellow background. Yeah, those were awesome. And I had the same xenophobe thing. Every time I saw an alien rip off, I'm like, xenophobe! Oh, no, okay. Yeah, sweet, it's xenophobe. That game sucks. Oh, oh that game that. was horrible, yes. Half of the screen, if you're playing that game just by yourself, half of the screen is just the logo of the company, is the Sunsoft <laughs> logo. There was I'm I'm familiar with that werewolf game because there was a mom and pop video store where I grew up that only rented two NES games, Mega Man Five and Werewolf. But the tagline for Critters Four nice. was Critters Four had the tagline of In space they love to hear you scream. <laughs> I don't mind when cash ins do that. Like, do you guys remember the tagline for Blood Beach? Came out right after Jaws Two. The tagline was And just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water. The tagline for Blood Beach was just when you thought it was safe to go back in the water, you can't even reach it. Still the, the best, the I best thought that's brilliant. All, the best tagline of all time, though, is still for pieces. <laughs> it was just said, pieces, it's exactly what you think it is. <laughs> <laughs> that almost strikes me as uninspired at the same time as being genius. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's one of those accidental geniuses that we couldn't think of anything better, and it turned out to be the perfect tagline. Well, the tagline for that Sharknado movie they're making. Oh, God. Um, it's a, dude, it's a tornado of sharks. Yeah, it's an asylum film. <laughs> yeah, dude, it's going to be great. It's a tornado of sharks. So the poster is this tornado of sharks, and it says, Sharknado, and then it just says, Enough said. <laughs> <laughs> and see, I don't mind when, when you're making a movie that is outright, you know you're making crap basically i'm totally fine with that it's it's where they get pretentious and the asylum thinks they're making a real film those are the ones that i have issues with oh how about have you seen the poster for the remake of the evil dead yes where it says the scariest movie ever made or something like that which i i haven't seen it maybe it will be the scariest movie ever made (laughs) I, i think the trailer looks absolutely horrendous it does look horrendous. And it uh, to me, it's not an Evil Dead movie. Honestly, and this does fit perfectly into this argument, 
I think the Evil Dead remake looks more like an Evil Dead knockoff than it does an Evil Dead film. And that's not a good thing for it. It's the same problem that I have looking at the Texas Chainsaw 3D trailer. Same problem that I have with that, where it just, I don't know, it just looks too polished. The whole you know what I Texas mean? Chainsaw is supposed to be pseudo-documentary without being a mockumentary, kind of. Yeah, it's gritty looking. It's it's grainy. It's it's and the and the thing with the Evil Dead remake on it just it just looks I it just looks too polished for me too. And uh, it looks too almost torture porny because to me a deadite in all the other films, the comics, everything, the games, a deadite you get possessed and turn into a demon. A deadite is not a self mutilator. To me, that's not a deadite. Someone splitting their tongue with a razor blade? That's not deadite behavior. And I don't like it doesn't it doesn't bother me. It honestly doesn't bother me that it doesn't have ash in it because no, I would I, I, I agree I, with that. Yeah. I, that, that 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 does not bother me at all because I would so rather it not have ash in it than somebody else to be playing him. But how's this? Now here's an idea I've seen kicking around online that might actually be kind of fun. Bruce Campbell is confirmed to have a cameo in this. Nobody okay. is saying who he's playing. Wouldn't it be funny if, uh, just going by the plot of the other films, they open the portal to send the Deadites back or whatever, and Ash actually makes a cameo as a dimensional traveler? If he's playing, at, if he turns that up, that would in be it, hilarious. Yeah, yeah. If he turns up in it and he's playing Ash, I'm cool with that. But yeah, he's confirmed he has a cameo. But the fact that they're not saying who he plays. That's implying that they want that guarded for a reason, like he might be having a cameo as Ashley J. Williams. So I don't know about that, but I am not looking forward to the Evil Dead remake. That. Um, speaking of the ripoffs and cash-ins, a genre that my daughter has had me stuck in lately is what I'm calling pupsploitation, is just all of the talking dog movies. Are there that many that it's actually a genre, Alex? There is. In <laughs> fact, um... Like Snow watched- Buddies? Yeah, there was my, Snow my Buddies wife and Santa Snow Buddies. Buddies. I watched the Asylum's Talking Dog movie, Golden Winter, and then Netflix <laughs> Netflix recommended, oh, well, you will like this movie called The Retrievers, which was an even lesser film. Baldo! Well, you would Balto. also have, like, when Air Bud came out, yeah, there was, like, a billion Air Bud sequels. But then was... there would also be, like, the knockoffs, like, oh, shit, it's it's a raccoon that knows how to play soccer. There was the uh, with Airbud is there's a they're eventually gonna run out dog. of sports for the dog to play. They <laughs> yeah. did. That's why they made the the Airbuddies, dude. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Airbud Air and a rollerball remake. Yeah, dude, it'll be better than the actual rollerball remake. No, the Australian cash in where it's a kangaroo. <laughs> you've got a, you got a, you got a dingo playing rollerball. Or you yeah. could just have the Running Man and just call it the Running Dog. <laughs> well, totally. when that. we talk remakes in a couple of weeks i'll be bringing up the running man because i got a lot to say about that but we are running out of time has this week been a cash-in or a rip-off of a previous show you the audience will decide it would be kind of funny if we just simply just remade one of our older episodes <laughs> But next week, we are going to have a sequel to our episode on sequels, so we'll be talking sequels next week. So w- where can we find Brad Jones? Brad, son of Sleepaway Camp Jones. <laughs> the cinemasnob.com. Where can we find Suede Alex? Geekjuicemedia.com. Suedealex.com. 
<laughs> and I'm, going I'm from so last week, that right And now. going from last week, guys, I beat the Vietnamese. I'm the first American that's actually beaten the Vietnamese in years. My yeah. website is back, 1201beyond.com. So 1201beyond.com, 1201beyond at gmail.com. And just good night. Maybe we'll try again next week. I don't know. I'm not. Let's go. Ready? From the top. My favorite shows on TV have 12 minutes of advertising. I can't get behind that kind of time. Eat quickly, drive faster, make more money now. I can't get behind that. My kids say, he said to me, and I'm like, and he's like, and she's like, it's all, he's all, she's all. I can't get behind that kind of like English. That'll be six to eight weeks before delivery. The rising oceans, the warming temperatures. The dying polar bears, no tigers in 50 years. Rising poison in the air and water. I can't understand why the price of gas suddenly rises when oil goes up. But takes months to go down long after oil falls. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind the gods, who are more vengeful, angry, and dangerous if you don't believe in them. Why can't all these gods just get along? I mean, they're omnipotent and omnipresent. What's the problem? What's the problem? What about the men who say, do as I do? Believe in what I say for your own good, or I'll kill you! I can't get behind that! I can't get behind that! Everybody knows everything about all of us! That's too much knowledge! I can't get get behind that. that! using my streets to learn. If you learn to play the drums, you gotta go to a studio, go to a parking lot, for God's sakes! Why are you jeopardizing my life? I can't get behind a student driver! I can't get behind a driver who drives like a student driver! If you're gonna drive an urban assault vehicle, then get off the phone and keep your eyes on the road! Lifetime guarantee? Whose lifetime? Not mine. I haven't that much time left. Let's make it yours. Everybody's got a longer life than me! Leaf blowers. Is there anything more futile? Car alarms. Clap off. Clap on. Spam. Size matters. No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, it doesn't. Yes, it no, it does. doesn't. No, yes, it, it doesn't. Does. Yes, it does. My yes, phone does. rings. Make millions of minutes. It's a computer. Blues inches and hours. Leave me the hell alone. Eat more. Spend less. The colonel is breakdancing. Give me a break. Credit terms arranged. I can't get behind any of that. I can't get behind so-called singers. They can't carry a tune. Get paid for talking. How easy is that? Well, maybe I could get behind that. Well, I can't. If you have to fix it with a computer, quantized, pitch corrected, and overly inspected, then you can't do it. And I can't get behind that. I can't get behind a fat ass. Yeah. Bill, can you turn around and do one more? Always can do one more. Let's hit it.